Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good evening and welcome to a wonderful Monday night. I do want to thank everybody for coming in and joining us, whether it's live or whether you're catching this on the recording. Uh, we definitely do appreciate you spending time with all of us. And uh, tonight, it's all about you. Dun, dun, dun. Your questions, your answers. We're just going to sit back and let you guys talk. And you know, every once in a while, we'll comment on it. That's it. Or maybe not. Maybe we'll just you know take a nap. You know, we'll, we'll screencast the chat onto the, and it'll be great. Yeah. Would that be I like the way you think? S- s- no, you can't use that idea. Base. We're going to do that. We're going to do that the first Monday of the month when you're busy. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that'd be kind of a, a time Find space continuum that. issue that we capture the YouTube chat and people are chatting in the YouTube chat, but they're watching the chat in the YouTube chat on the YouTube channel. Man, this could be this could be something. I feel like that old that old cartoon where you like went into the mirror and you just kept going deeper and deeper yeah, in the mirror. Have, you, have, you have like multiple mirrors and you're like, yeah, yeah. That, I, I, not that I, I never did that. I never did that one. So, gentlemen, I've got some questions that have been popping up again on social media. Uh, it's it's been an interesting kind of a month or so since last time because I've been kind of pulling a couple of them as I've gone along, and there have been a few questions that have been like every other day they keep asking uh, the same uh, same type of information. So that's what tonight's show is about. Uh, we are going through and we do one show where we have them all in one piece like this, and then we chop them apart so that people who have those questions can maybe find the answers and uh, maybe get some input because then you guys can go and put your answers down below the in the comment section, and that works out really really well as we go forward. So is there anything that, that, that we need to clear up for press releases or information before NAM that we can talk about tonight? No, no. We but have... I can say this, stay tuned for more details. Boom. Oh, that was that. That's a tickler. Whew. Fluttering. Up <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, let's let's put it let's put it this way. All right. So so what we can say is what we can say is this because and for, you know for people that saw my box that I put on on Facebook the other night, that is a new product. And it's not lighting. That is we a can, product. We can say it's not lighting. 
I'm not saying anything. I'm saying okay, it is a new Cubby's product. Cubby's going to say it's not lighting. Right, Cubby? Right. Yeah, he, he's going to say that. Not lighting. There we go. So we, we go. heard it here first. Dan's box did not contain lights. There we go. Lighting. Uh, but, but with that being said, it's a new product. And for the past couple years, in our end of the industry, there's been nothing that's really broken at NAMM. 2019 was probably the last yeah, time I can remember been, where something was like, man, ones and twos, TJ. ones and twos. And I think this is going to be the first year since COVID that there's going to be quite a bit of, of, of uh, things released. And of course, one of those items is what Dan has that Cubby said was not lighting. I heard it right here first. It looks cool. It looks cool. I can't wait. It should be fun. We'll get to see that uh, in, a, in another day or so, because then it'll be time to release that information and other information for this year's show. So that'll be next week's topic. Uh, we'll uh, dig into uh, some of the cool things we, we saw at NAM for the uh, for the year. So, uh, guys, if we're ready with our first question, I'm going to pop uh, pop it up and we'll get going here. Yes, sir. First question tonight, we're going to dig into DJ systems. We've seen people talking about an all-white look or an all-black look with the gear and speakers and everything. And then I saw in the last couple of days, a couple of people have made reference to photographers in their markets uh, today. One of them really got some traction where there were speakers, black speakers, and the photographer or someone, a decorator, was, was ripping on them. And people were like, yeah, in our market, they do that all the time. They, they diss my gear because it's not matching in first off is that important to be the you know the, the to white or black you know to try to match the the uh the room i've you know i've done that done it just because it was convenient more for me than it was for the couples but is that something that you guys have ever worried about or been concerned about is trying to fit into the decor who goes right, first Kirby. oh thanks dan um i would have to say in my barn weddings in my location i am not I mean, I do uh, a couple high-end, very high-end weddings a year, and my white system looks really great at it. Um, but I think you have to do you. You have to do what you can afford. Um, you know, build your system up. I do have a pair of black. I have a pair of white. We've got several black and whites. But as you can afford it, you know, if you're a newer DJ, don't let somebody beat you up. If, if you can, all you can afford right now is black speakers because that's what you started with, you know, maybe build up towards white speakers or trade them in um, or find a good uh, – a good white use white speaker in the used market um but i don't think you should have to change you know what you're doing um if you can't afford to do what you're doing um that's a lot of things that people get wrapped up and they end up with all this excess gear so i think just do you um build your business um they're not going to hire you because your speakers are white or black they're going to hire you because of your talent what you can do for them and what what kind of show you can produce um and then you're then you then as you're getting those bookings, then you buy the dish, the speakers that go with your vibe. Couldn't disagree more. Good. Uh, <laughs> now, with, with that being said, I, I understand where the planners and that are coming from. Um, you know, it, it's an idea of this look and everything else. But in the same respect, I think they're the ones that are are taking issue with it more than the couples. I think I think in some aspects, a lot of the couples unless they've run into a DJ that's had white speakers, I don't think they, you know, half of them even recognize that white speakers and systems exist. 
So it's kind of like a, it's a surprise to them. Now, I would be willing to bet in, in a lot of cases, if a couple was presented you with two different speakers, the same price point, they're going to pick the white ones over the over the black ones. They're, they're going to fit feel that it fits maybe the mood a little bit better. But as Cubby said, I don't think they're going to go out and pick you because you had white over this person over here who had black speakers. I just, I don't see that as being the case. With that being said, I do understand, right? In some of our high-end venues, black stands out. It, it yeah. you, know, e you know, even when you bring down the lights, we have up lights, we have all these other things. You have these nice bright colors, and then you have this dark system. And I think one of the ways that you can combat it is, is some of the other pieces that you have. For example, like I have black speakers. That's the only thing that I've had. I, I was not in the mood to go and replace my Evolves when the when they went white. I keep using my black ones. They go down. Maybe I'll consider a set of white ones. But it's not important enough to me to switch. Sure. But my rolling booth is white. My Danny Max is white or with the tuxedo piece, you know, whatever. But for the most part, it's white. And I and those are the key elements to me. So the speakers kind of fade into the to the scenery while the the key elements I think are standing out in the right way with the bright colors. What about you, John? Um back when Bose came out with the very first mini array system, it was the L1 system back uh, 20 years ago or whatever it was. When we were taking those around to different venues, I had numerous venues that actually took cards because they were like this. This system, it, it was a, the speakers were black, everything was black with it, but it was that thin kind of a pole look, and it fit into decor much better because it would just basically look like a line against the wall. Even if it was an all white room, it was just this unimposing line. And we actually at that time had uh, had handed out numerous cards. One of uh, this this fancy uh, uh, lake club that uh, was on a very expensive lake in the cities. Uh, she took a handful of cards and had recommended us for a number of, uh, of, of events down there just because she liked the way the speakers looked in her room. And then, of course, by the time that we booked a couple of shows, then other people had those speakers, and then, you know, that was uh, that. Was that. Um, so it, 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 I think there is, a, there is a spot that you would find this with people, but I think that for the, as a couple of people day and night have mentioned, I didn't think the clients are really going to care unless they could see left and right, as Dan had pointed out with that. Um, my one suggestion I wanted to run by you guys and see what your thoughts were on this is that, you know, we all have the have black speakers. Most of us have black speakers. And if we're trying to take, basically make it so that people aren't focused on how the black doesn't fit into the room, I would contend that using some really bright orange extension cords to run those black speakers would probably be something for them to focus on and not focus on the color of my speakers. <laughs> Good. Listen, I've seen I've seen people kick up lights, bright lights. They're not they're not mentioning they're not seeing your orange extension cords. Oh, You're fine. Not, they if they don't see the bright white light or bright up light and can't keep from kicking it. They're not going to see your orange extension cord. You're okay. Just use it. So one of the the questions, of course, is that Cubby, you're talking about your white your systems that are white, and those are yeah. the Evolve fifties. Um, yeah, and we, that's the what I have also. But it was one of the, the people in the chat had mentioned that they need they want to have a bigger sound system. They want to be able to do you know the big eighteen inch subs, and they want to do whatever. And they don't. Nobody makes those in white. No, nope. really, right, really, right now. Um, and that becomes an issue. And that's really where the discussion comes. Is uh, uh, yeah, there are white power cords, but orange is so cool. 
but anyway, so you get these big these big speakers, and you can't do that. So either you're trying to scrim them up, and I think that looks like you know, you know, the, like a bank robber, you know, kind of a thing going on when you pull a white scrim over black speakers, or you go with what you have, and and I think that's going to be um, a, a point in time, and that maybe some companies are going to come out and produce larger speakers. That doesn't mean that there aren't speakers out there that are white. Uh, the uh, ELX 200 series has a has white uh, in that line. Um, the uh, Mark Beecher had uh, an LD Systems that was white. Uh, it was one that was designed by Porsche, if I remember correctly. Wow. Mm. Yeah, they mm-hmm. have they had that, and those were a little bit more. I think they had a little bit more horsepower than uh, than than some of the uh, like the Evolve 50s and and a few others. So there are some options out there, but there isn't like a concert level sound system white for high school dance type of thing from what I've seen. But I could be wrong. I mean, I've seen some people do some custom jobs, like some custom, you know, getting the right type of paint jobs, the you know the the protective ones of changing the grills, you know, dipping that kind of stuff. But I. I, you know, I, I think if you if you're really if you're really sold on that type of idea, like that's an option. But again, it's it's to what extent? To and what extent? Hitting a, a, a Superfly's question about buying separate cables for the white setup. Yes, I had had to do that. If you did see that little uh, little snippet video I did, where I think I did it on Instagram, uh, where I had the the uh, the gig bar, the gig bar moves white gig bar moves white everything, and it does it comes with a black wire. And it's like, what's up with that? So yes, I bought white XLR cables and I bought white uh, IEC for that. So it all looks. So when I do the the uh, the white show, the only thing that's not white in that show, um, pretty much is the uh, my DJ controller. I didn't buy a, a case for the controller and then the controller itself. Otherwise, everything else is either hidden or it's uh, it's white. There we go. The P900. That sounds that sounds about right. So. Excellent, excellent. Let's jump to our next question tonight. So we've been seeing a lot of different uh, pictures of systems and such out there, and there's some incredible systems that people are running. And one of the uh, somebody had uh, thrown out the idea or asked a question about uh, is is the need for fast teardown after a show is that still needed? Because in some markets. That is huge, and that's, I want to kind of get an idea from your guys' perspective if you have experienced that, and and thoughts when it comes to uh, if that's a limiting factor uh, in how you're putting together your shows and what you're planning to you know go and offer. So, uh, Cubby, I think you started last time. So, Dan, I'll... yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. This is one of the things that when I created the you know my piece together system with the rolling booth or, or anything else that I've done. It's all been about how quickly can I be done and out of there? Um, the, the downside that it ha- has happened is I've gotten so quick that I'm ready to roll out. And the party bus that's taking everybody from the reception is still standing in front of the doors. So I can't go get my trailer to, to get in the car and go. So there, there is a downside to that, but no, I, th- I think it's important I know my venues love it. I, you know, I know that they're happy that they're not having to pay, you know, somebody to stick around or they're not having to stick around. I'm done. I'm out of there. It's good. And so when I was piecing everybody to get everything together and when I um, just even what I decide I might add to the system. Okay. Now, what does that mean for my setup? How much longer is that going to take? And if it's five minutes, 
uh, okay. If it's 25 minutes, nope, forget it. I'm gonna find another way, another piece to it, and another another setup. Um, and I'll just use this as an example. So I one of the big things I was doing was trying to figure out I wanted new lighting. I had used the four bar try for years and and it's dying on me in, in a lot of ways. Um, just in my own mood more than anything else. But when I went to replace it, a lot of people suggested getting like the collapsible truss with the like a wash FX on top of it. Cause it's a, it's kind of gives you some of the looks and stuff that I wanted. That took more setup time than I wanted to add because so, of running the cables and putting it up. And now I'm hooking up two of them and running DMX to, to the two of them. It was more than I wanted to add. And, and because that fast setup is or fast teardown and somewhat setup um, becomes really key to just being done at the end of the night. Cubby. Yeah. I have to agree with Dan. Uh, Fast teardowns is where it's at. It makes the venue so much more happier when you're out of there um, and not having to wait on you. Um, I'm too fat and old to be tearing down like a lot of stuff. So I am lean and mean. Like I said, I use it. We've all talked about it. Danny Mac stand and he's pre-wired. And I, you know, I, so I wrap a few cords, throw my tube lights in my, in their cases, tear down my stands, goes in two different cases. And I'm really out the door within 20 minutes like dan said there i usually beat the bridal party out of there it's not like it it's not like it you know i want to i mean i i go by and tell my bridegroom thank you and ask him for review for reviews so i'm not going to get one from the company from uh good old dj event planner we sent out a review seven days uh right afterwards i warned him about that and mm -hmm. i thank the parents um but i still can get out of there in 20 minutes and it's just just i want to get out of there i've been on my feet for eight hours i don't want to i don't want to dilly dally i don't want to do too much light show it, it doesn't Mm -mm. And the venues, the venues are appreciative of that. So appreciative, yeah. Because I hear Absolutely. story horror stories of um, people that bring in large trussing systems. At least here in the Midwest, I got one state where my market is. It's right here in the Midwest, and they come up with these super large trussing systems, like back in the '90s, and put lights all up in it, and they're tearing down. It takes them three hours to set up and two hours to tear down, and it's just not worth it. So I will say this. I, I just just to kind of piggyback on that for a second i will say this so i've never had a venue complaint so even when i was using even back in you know, even back in the 90s early 2000s when i was using like that big trussing and putting on i never had a venue complain about me and, and my teardown but i would hear them complain about some other djs and the time that they took so the one thing i will say is whether your whether your setup is what when one would consider fast or not if you're dilly-dallying if you're taking your time, you're not making the venue happy. So even if you have a big setup, work quick. You know, make sure it's very evident that you're taking this down as fast as you can. Uh, Randall on Facebook mentions, uh, yes, uh, venues want uh, them out in less than an hour. Uh, Superfly's uh, mentions, of course, that uh, most of they want everyone out by midnight, which is common in our neck of the woods also, and uh, that superfly who does some really big shows also has a a more of a base uh, basic wedding setup that can get out of there in time but it's a discussion uh, that he has in the planning meeting uh with with that um yeah that's that's uh, a big thing it's great that he addresses that and lets them know ahead of time that you know depending on what system that you you choose i think it's amazing for him to do that um of course school's a little bit different than weddings I, you know school setups would be a whole lot different uh, more spin and pukes, more lights. But for, for me, it's 95% weddings, um, lean and mean. So there's, I've got two things. School was one of them. And we used to 
back and this would have been in the late nineties when we were doing the trussing and everything at schools. And we had this huge show, the school, the teacher wanted to, and they were 400 students that come to the dances. So they needed a bigger sound system. So we went and there were three of us that to set up and it took us two and a half, three hours to set up. We did everything and we were ripping down because they said they wanted us out of there as fast as possible. And they, it's like, that's why there were three of us. And then the janitors actually were like, yeah, you've got 15 minutes, go. Yeah. And, and we were literally, as, as we're packing feverishly, kind of doing what uh, Superfly said, throwing cables in bags just to get them out the door. The janitors are hauling our gear away. And it's like, no, 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 you can't do that. You got to be out of here. You don't understand. You've got to be out of here. It's like, yeah, we, we had everything. It was literally outside the door uh, 16 minutes later. <laughs> it was the, wow. and we never went back. Um, but the, there was like this huge disconnect between, between the whole situation. Um, then of course with, with, uh, weddings, that was, uh, that's been a big thing. There's a couple of venues that, uh, that, that will, uh, they, if you're taking too long, they will leave and I, they may go do something else, come back later, but, uh, it, it's been kind of a known thing that if you're taking too long and the manager, if he leaves the place and you, he's not around, you're not coming back. So we've, we've kind of, uh, and he's mentioned that he's like, I've given, I give DJs this much time and if they're not, I'm going to go. And I'll, when I come back, if they're not gone by that time, then I'm, they're never coming back for sure. But they, it's like, oh, okay. And he gives them, I think about a half hour is what his, it's kind of the magic number here is about a half hour after the guests leave. So if the guests, the wedding party's milling around for another 15 minutes, you know, that buys you 45 minutes of, uh, of breakdown time. Yeah, hiring people to break down would be, yeah, again, extra costs, and sometimes you don't know about those co- those things until you get right there, and that kind of sucks. So, all right, gentlemen, let's jump to our next question. So the next one is kind of an interesting topic. Someone threw out. They wanted to, they were wanting to get people's sixteen year old DJ story, and I was thinking about it. That doesn't quite fit unless you were DJing at sixteen. But I was thinking about what I wanted to do, guys, is that when you were and when you were sixteen, and you you what what were you doing in your life that would have shown or, or started to feed into your eventual DJ world into the DJ world when you were sixteen years old. Think back to when you were 16, and I know that's that's a long time, Dan. I, I know. Just tr- try to. I know. Yeah, try I know. Think it's, back. It's, you know, that would have been, you know, back when, you know, you, you could go and, and eat that bucket of ice cream and not put on a pound. That was the time. You didn't see what six year old sixteen year old me. I'm gonna go first, even though I know it's supposed to be Cubby's turn. Just by the look in his face, I think I need to yeah. some more time. Um, so, so the year I turned 16, this is actually kind of funny. This is actually what started the whole process to me being a DJ. I was not a DJ at 16, um, but uh, the the fall after I turned 16, the local radio station decided that they were going to put out this call for high schoolers to come basically be their grunt labor at remote broadcasts. And so, you know, and 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 here's the better thing: they were going to pay in concert tickets and CDs. So they weren't even willing to pay you money. They were just going to pay you in, in like free goodies that they got for free. Um, 16-year-old me said, sure, why not? And so I did. And that lasted about a month and a half before the person who was in the mascot outfit did something stupid and got fired. And I put on the mascot outfit and had fun and started making money. 
Then that led to the radio station needing some overnight people just because they go through, you know, that every so often. And so suddenly I was on air and then that led to that led to that led to. So that's my it actually when I was 16 is what started the process into the radio industry, which is what led to the DJ. Did that buy you enough time, Covey? No, but um, <laughs> I will do the best I can. I never even considered DJing when I was 16 years of age. Um, so what what would have prepared me, my 16-year-old self, to DJ would probably be uh, I was in theater and I did speech, um, but never once considered DJing as an opportunity. Um, when I left uh, high school, I went directly into the military, and then I came out, went to college, and got a degree in finance and did financial stuff. Like I said, my story is really weird. So, no, I had a 16-year-old, I never even thought about it, even thought about it at all, not once. So the closest would have been some of your performing theater and theater. theater yeah. Theater and speech would have yeah, been it. Would Seriously have, would have prepared me. Yeah. It would have been fitting with a lot of the trivia things you do nowadays where you're using that working the crowd skill or that being on stage in front of a crowd. See? So there were things, there were things. Yeah. So 16 year old me was playing pool in the basement of my buddy's house. And we were at the time trying to accumulate like every cool song we could think of. Whether that meant we bought it on cassette or CD, which those were expensive, um, or if we, you know, took could record it off the radio, and we were that was like our we just were recording and and accumulating music uh, at 16 years old, not realizing that when it came to the the following year at 17, that's when uh, that music library would have uh, have the young ladies come up and say, "Hey, you got you guys got a lot of music. Could you come and play at our dance, please?" And it's like. Yeah. Oh, you're going to pay us too? <laughs> awesome. So it was pool and 80s music. Huey Lewis. Yeah, Huey Lewis and Van Halen were probably half of half of our playlist came from those two back <laughs> at, back at that time. So so there's the 16 year old. We got a couple of people shared a couple of things. Uh uh, Superfly mentions uh, being a break dancer at that time. That's pretty cool. With a name like that, you have to be, right? It sounds cool. It's like yeah. a wrestler. I think a wrestler, Superfly Snooker. Yeah, Superfly is from Rochester. I could be kind of uh, between nice. Ivan, uh, Ivan uh, down there. So uh, cool. let's see. Uh, Eric started DJing at 16 and, and had the radio side of it. So yeah, there's, there's, for him. I, think, I think there's a few uh, few folks who've had that, uh, that kind of a journey. So, All right, gentlemen, let's jump to our next one. So bridal shows, people have been asking a lot about wedding shows and what you should do in your booth. Should you play music? Should you not play music? If you play music, what do you play? And then uh, lights. Do you have lights set up? If you do, what do you do? You turn them on, or do you just have them there? So, gentlemen, let's start with the the music side of it. Come I play here. Erotic oh, City. Yeah, I, I play Erotic City whenever chance I can get. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that was that, <laughs> that went crazy enough. Thing. No, I do not play music. I do not play music at a wedding show. I do not want to piss off my neighbors. Um, you know, I just, I just don't. Um, and as far as my lights, uh, I have two lights. I leave on a solid color, and that's it. And I can show them that it does have the remote, so I can show them it goes different colors. You know, whatever, it's, whatever their colors are for the wedding. Um, but other than that, I basically, leave my tube lights on a solid color and no music. Don't even hook up speaker. Um, 
at all. The speaker's there, but it's not even hooked up. Okay. Dan, what are your thoughts? Most most of my shows, I was not bringing – I didn't even bring a speaker. I did that like one time just to kind of make myself stand out, and then I stopped bringing it. Uh, majority of the shows that I've, I've done, they're too noisy to, to run a, an actual speaker unless I put out a volume, which would just add to that noise. Um, so I, I was going to say, no, I don't do it. But then I, there is one show that I've done where I, I just took a little Bose S1, stuck it in my rolling booth and just had it low, just w- playing just some cocktail music. Um, so some, you know, variety of, of stuff that mid tempo that was going to kind of add some energy. But if, if we were talking, we could have talked at our normal volume. And and it would not have been intrusive. So almost like that restaurant background style sure. volume, um, and it, and it just kind of was there. And so like when when I w- was talking, great. And when it ended, no big deal. Nobody really was like having to talk over it. Um, as for uplights, I've always been a big proponent. I have uplights. I want people to know I have uplights, and I don't want them to go missed. So I always make sure that I have my uplights, and I just put them on a solid color. Um, I've done some fades once in a while, like when I've been in a venue or I've been in an area that had a lot of white walls and I wanted to kind of just add some texture there. But otherwise, I don't bring my tube lights. I don't bring I didn't bring my four bar before when I had that. I to me, that didn't seem to be necessary. But. So as far as when it came to the the wedding shows, and I have not done one for a number of years, but when we were having this thought and this discussion uh, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, yes, we've been doing wedding shows that long. Um, It was always about if I play something, I could do kind of a background cocktail as Dan was saying, but then you might have somebody come up and say, gosh, you know, they're just playing boring music. So you've turned somebody off because of the music. Or I'm playing country, you know, kind of country upbeat hits. Well, all they did is play country music when we walked by, and that sucked. And that, and as so the the idea of you having a better chance to miss when it came to making a connection by playing some music in the background was a big enough thing to to keep us uh, from not doing it. Uh, as Cubby said, it would could uh, offend other vendors. That was one of the problems at a couple of the shows we did is that we didn't do anything in our music wise in our booth. And then at the end you would he- be hearing them play the mobile beat top 200. Literally they would put the CD in and, and let it play. So they're playing a variety of the, you know, the most popular wedding type songs, you know, but how many times can you hear the twist <laughs> at a wedding show before it's like, okay, I, yeah, we know you know how to play wedding, you know, the wedding song or the songs that are common, common at weddings at the time. Um, yeah. Uh, so it was, it was just not, not something I would, uh, we, we, uh, we got into as far as, uh, lighting, um, you know, lights, lights are lights. Uh, the, uh, the thing that we, we did more of, uh, was, was with video screens and having screens there to show, uh, to show some of the things that we were doing with either a slideshow or video clips from, uh, from things that seemed to work better. The times that I had lighting in there, it was like, okay, I've got the uplights back there and they look cool. And then just before the show, they made tur- they turned all of the lights on in the uh, the auditorium, and now everything's blown out. So it's like, oh, they can't see that up light back there anyway. So that was that was our our process. All right, let's jump to the next question here, guys. So 
So there's been a lot of new DJs talking about getting started, and one asked about packages that they've been uh, a, a potential client was asking about. Uh, you know, hey, what's your wedding package? Uh, we would like a package uh, uh, price to look at. And the question that they were wondering is like, what do I include in a uh, my DJ uh, my package price that I send out? And I think this this was actually kind of a neat a neat little discussion to dig into. Um, you know, when you, I think both of you guys are, are package price. I don't think you're doing a la carte either of you anymore. So, um, and it was a cubby. Are you starting this one or is it Dan? I think Dan is. Okay. Dan, what do you include in your package price? So I'm actually, I am an a la carte. Um, oh, okay. but, but I've done, I, I used to be packages. I got away from it for a while because I kind of got rid of some of my extras that I was doing. And I felt it very difficult to try and come up with the three packages um, that they say you, that they say you should have. Um, my philosophy on this is your base package should be the base price that you're willing to go out to an event and do whatever that is, whatever, you know, whatever that might be. So for some people, that's just a basic reception uh, setup. And, and then that's going to be your lowest price. And so that everything above that then becomes gravy, if, if nothing else. Um so, so I do have kind of a package where it's like reception only, or I do reception and ceremony kind of paired together. Um, and then from there, I know a lot of DJs who then throw in their uplighting. I shouldn't say throw in, but their, their next package includes their uplighting or, or any type of lighting enhancements that they might be doing. Um, and then I, I've, when I was doing package, my, my top package was my moving heads with the trussing and, and all of those pieces along with TV options as well. Um, and, and that created that option of, of having a three, because you will have, as they say, you should have a top package, which legitimately includes anything and everything you could throw in it. Will you, will you use it much? No, but every once in a while you will. Because somebody's got to have that top package. Um, so having something like that. Um, one thing that I saw at, at some expo shows, people who talked about packages and the ideas, sometimes it's difficult for some couples because they like they like this option, but they don't like that option. And that's what took me away from doing the packages. But what some of them recommended was to have like a category. And you might have like three or four options that could fit in there, whether it be uplighting or maybe, maybe you up, upsell for the tube lights or, or um, moving heads, whatever, and have that be in the package and say, okay, in this package, you can pick one of the pieces. And then in our top package, you can pick three of the options or whatever it might be and have kind of a, maybe a, a packaging discount or, or something along those lines, because then it gives them the freedom to pick what they want. So they puts them in power but it also gets them more willing to pull more of your options than they might if they're just straight a la carte. So you're saying um, I like that idea. They can bundle. They can bundle, yes. bundle their services. Yes. I'm not Mahomes though. But but Cubby is my auto. Um, <laughs> you take your chicken, yeah, so chicken I, nuggets. I, I think and there's your some burger and your fries and you put them all together. Yeah. Bundle. That's funny what you should say to this, John. Because I'm like Dan, I have two packages. I have a reception only package because they're getting married in a church and don't need me for a ceremony. I have a ceremony and um, reception package. Everything else is an add-on. Uplights, photo booth, audio guest book, anything else is, is so you get strictly talent, 
a secondary secondary system for ceremony sound, and that includes a wireless lapel mic and um, handheld mics in case you have somebody reading a passage or a poem, um, up to seven hours worth of performance, um, and everything you need on the inside, wireless microphones for toes, blah, blah, blah. And then I have a ceremony package, excuse me, reception-only package. Um, and then what I show the bride is that what we did is we took everything you need for your big day and we bundled it. So like, you know, how you go to McDonald's and you get the number one and you get the fries, and Big Mac and the drink, and it costs a certain price. But if you a la carte, it's more expensive. So what we did, John, is we bundled everything up, discounted it. <laughs> I think we discounted it. We discounted it and said, this is everything you need out your door. No questions asked because you're going to have some financial surprises. It could be the alcohol. It could be the caterer. It could be floors. We don't want to be that financial surprises. We've got so many brides that hang their hat on the the basic reception price and forget about all the extra stuff they need. And then the planning being like, oh, crap, I didn't realize they needed extra hours. I didn't need this. So what we did, John, is you made it. I'm talking to you like you're my bride. Uh, I made it, I made it simple for you that this is everything you need for your day out the door. No questions asked. Boom price. And there it is. You're gonna make him ask you how much it is. <laughs> Cubby did that to me last week. We were talking bridal shows, and Cubby made me. Cubby made me be his his couple on the other side too. So Dan, <laughs> ask me how much that is. Yeah, that's it. So, okay, just so everybody knows and maybe didn't watch the show, I will literally go through all my spiel. I'm like, John, you're probably asking yourself, how much is that? Go ahead and say it. Cubby, how much does that cost? Cubby, how much does that cost? Funny you should ask. I was just getting to that. Um, and then I roll into my price and they chuckle just like that. You know, you're probably asking yourself, oh my God, how much is it going to cost me? Go ahead and say that. Oh my God, how much is it going to cost me? Funny you should ask. Just getting just to getting that. Getting to that, yeah. And you know, so if her husband, like her fiance, is right there. I'm like, well, is he is she always this way? Is she always pushy like that? Or you know, just kind of lighten the load before I hit him with the price. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a phone book. I'm pointing to a number. <laughs> but no, it just works. Like I said, you just try to break up that monotonous for you where you for you left hook him with that price. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So right now, where I'm at, I'm basically have uh, three different uh, three different packages, kind of a, a, a an a basic, uh, basic one, kind of a middle, and then a higher end package, and it's. Uh, it, I can't say one one is booked more than the other right now. It seems that for this year, it's like all three of them are going out, uh, and there are some additional a la carte things off the top package, but it's not. It's like major addition type things. It's not. Uh, it's not like uplighting. The uplighting is in the top package. It's not the uh, the selfie booth. The selfie booth is in the the top package. So it would be like uh, if if we needed uh, another remote sound system in another part of the area, or we have running fully battery something or another, or if we have to be out in twenty minutes and I have to bring a team of six people to get us out in twenty minutes, that kind of a thing. Um, otherwise, it's all there. I, this is one of the years that I haven't had. Um, I haven't had so far really much much of anyone saying, "Oh, can I take this from this one and this from this one?" I haven't had that. And there are some years that I have a lot of that, and that's when I've done kind of like Dan and moved to an a la carte for a period of time, just because it it seemed to be uh, what people were looking for. So, who knows which direction? I, I think a lot of people struggle with the from our side struggle with the concept of packages because, so for example, like if I have uplighting and I have photo booth, like do I make like I can make a package that includes everything, but that middle package becomes a question mark because I'm not selling my photo. I'm not selling my uplighting service for the same price as my photo booth service. And so to put it in a middle package, but then do I have like two tiers in the middle? And so that's, I think where a lot of, a lot of DJs get struggling with is that middle. 
Like they have, they can figure out, okay, the basic is just what I need to get by. And the top is, okay, I'm going to throw everything that I have at the, at the wall, but how do I handle that middle? And I think that's where, at least for myself, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do that a la carte thing. And if they start asking for a bunch of stuff, I might pull a little bit of the price off just because, Hey, you know, you put everything together. I, I can, I can work with you a little bit and, or make it sound like I'm working with them more. So to boil everything down, as far as we talked about our philosophies and such and that, what is actually in the package pricing is basically you have to figure out what you need to make as a, a entertainer, performer, as a business. Uh, there's going to be the, the your, your pay or your staff's pay, all the money that's going to have to, what you have to have for the business, any expenses, uh, your gear, your, the, the value of the gear that's going to be used, whatever those types of things are. Uh, somebody was talking about uh, the blinky the blinky wands today and should that be an upsell? It put it in in the package price. You figure you're going to have $100 into props that you're going to be throwing out at the party. That's the kind of stuff that needs to be in the package, but it doesn't need to be something that you're going to itemize for the couple. Because if they're interested in a package price, they're really not caring about too much about itemizing. They want to know that, oh, we're going to have some fun props, and it's going to be so cool when Cubby gets up on the chair, and he's got the props, and he's up there singing about That's the kind of thing they want to have. They don't want to know that I'm going to be bringing you 87 glow sticks, and those glow sticks are the kind of they're battery-powered, and you can change the batteries. They don't give a crap about that. They want to know that Cubby's going to be up there and having fun with those glow sticks and making a memory that everyone's going to talk about. So... Everything has to be covered, especially as Dan said, at that basic one. If you cover your expenses with that and then add from there, at least you're not going to lose money. Yeah. All right, let's jump to the next question here, guys. Uh, somebody was asking about speakers. How small would be too small when it comes to your full range speakers, your the main speakers you're going to be using for a smaller, like a backyard wedding or something. How small would you go before you're like, yeah, no, I can't go any smaller than this uh, from your, your experience out there, guys. And I think Dan, you might be. All right, sure. I guess, I guess I'll go first. Um, for, for a main system reception wise, I don't on a standalone, I wouldn't go below a 12. Um, I, I'm a believer in, in the 12 inch. I know there are 10 inches ones out there. There's, you know, eight inch and everything else, but for the reception portion of that, that service, I just, I don't feel like you get enough punch for that, that dancing aspect for anything less than a 12. Um, and, and that's just, that's kind of my two cents. Now ceremony, whole other different ball game. Um, I, I'm a big believer in, in you know an eight side eight inch speakers for a ceremony. I, I don't think you need to go huge on the on that type of piece unless you have a large large space you're filling. Uh, but for the reception piece, definitely would would cater more towards at least a twelve, if not bigger. Probably. I'd have to concur. Um, twelve uh, twelve would probably be the lowest I'd smallest I'd go, and it'd have to be on a, a fairly low guest count because I don't mind carrying in my Evolve fifties and just monitoring the sound. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not discounting the number of guests. I mean, I, I get, well, it's only 75 person wedding. I still, I'm going to work harder on your 75 person wedding than working on your 300 person wedding because trying to get 75 people to dance is a lot harder than getting 300 people to dance um, sometimes, you know? Um, so I like to, um, like I said, I, I have no problem taking out my evolves and just monitoring the sound, keeping it lower, um, but I'd never go anything less than a 12. So there are times I think a 10 could work. And I think that it really becomes the quality of the cabinets that I think is probably the biggest the biggest issue because I can you know the the twelve is that's a great answer 
for most of the, you know, just very quick answer, a 12. There are 12s out there that we all have seen and heard that we wouldn't wouldn't uh, use for you know playing in a uh, you know three person garage party. They are, they just there's poor quality lower level stuff in every every company has lines of different quality and then there's some companies that everything they make is just kind of poor quality just basically to dump it out there and it's disposable DJ gear. There are some companies that make tens and those tens are are pretty good. Are they going to give you the same bass as a 12 or a 15? Not even close. But if you're playing for the right, right event, a 10, I think, two 10s could do it. Um, if I were playing for something where it was a an old-time wedding, you know, for a 70-year-old, uh, uh, the couple 70 years old, I actually did one of these uh, a couple of years back. We didn't play anything. It was old country, and it was old-time music. There was So there was, like, nothing newer. They, the all day long notes uh, a 10 inch 2a cabinet could have could have handled that i think i did use 12 uh, 12 inch 2a but as i as i was uh, ripping down i was thinking to myself i don't even know if i heard the bass you know the hit there was no bass hit you know a couple of country songs had a little bit but there wasn't so if you're going to buy it you were just going to buy once yeah the 12 2a of a quality cabinet that can hit a nice spl level don't worry about the 2000 watts the cabinet says it can do um, it's the spl you need to know uh, how loud they can get but if you can find a, a really good quality 10, um, there's potential there for uh, some people, I think. All right, let's jump to the next one. Our next question, people, some, some are out there kind of contemplating looking at moving from a part-time DJ to becoming a full-time DJ. They're just doing it. Uh, they've got a job during the week. They're doing a little bit here and there. Uh, for someone who's kind of contemplating that, let's give them just a couple of uh, tips or a couple of things that they should be thinking about uh, before they would may seriously make that transition. Because, uh, you know, Cubby, you, 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 this is what you do. You're basically this. You are a full-time uh, entertainment company. Dan is uh, doing the part-time thing, and I'm just confused. So, <laughs> Cubby, let's start it out. Uh, if somebody was saying, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about making the jump, what are there a couple of things that they should really think about before making that jump? Um, what what is your current yearly salary? How many events that you have booked up and for the next year? Does it is it close to that? Is it not close to that? Um, what are your contracts read as far as payment so you can financially budget? You know, being going full time. Um, I stopped going from payment the night of the event to a ninety day payment and a thirty day payment. Um, the reason I did that is because here in Iowa we get kind of slow sometimes in the middle of winter. I think I've shared this before. Um, so my March brides are paying me in December. So I've got money coming all year round with 90 day and 30 day payments. So I can pay my DJs. I can, you know, I can live, you know, I don't, you know, also what kind of, what kind of savings do you have in case you do you run a product con upon a slow season or a slow part of the season? How are you going to um, make it through that slow part of the season? Um, insurance, um, look at the Affordable Care Act. How many family, you know, does your wife work? Can she subsidize your insurance through her full-time job? Um, will free you up to do some more midweek money, some maybe some daytime money, um, whether working, it's whether working in nursing homes. You know, they always look for DJs coming in to do karaoke and trivia and musical bingo with them. How active, you know, what are you going to need to make to match your salary and more? Because now you got to match your salary more to, before you go full time because the taxes are really higher when you're self-employed. Um, so you've got to make sure that you 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 can meet your taxes. And then I'd have to say you, you need to make at least $20,000 more than what your current base salary is from your current job. 
and that's after expenses by the uh, many yeah. of the business expenses. Dan, what were, what are your uh, things that you would recommend if somebody were thinking about making the jump to keep in mind? So, so I definitely, you know, echo a lot of the things that Cubby said, especially the financial thing, and and not just your not just whatever your current job is, but you got to remember that right now you're kind of in a living situation of your current job and the money that you're bringing in from DJing, and and that so you're coming up with both of those pieces. Is there enough events? in your area. Like, you know, we've talked about weddings typically for some areas, you know, John and I are both kind of in similar markets where it's like April, maybe, but really we're looking like May to end of October. Is that six month time period of events going to pull in enough uh, money, enough, enough, is there going to be enough events to get the money that you're going to want to make? Um, how much, how much more are you going to increase, have to increase your prices? to be able to hit the money that you're that you're potentially wanting to make. Um, but I would also add in from, from kind of the standpoint, do you really love this job because it's a break from the monotony of your normal job? Like we have a great job, don't get me wrong. DJ, this it's a great career that we can have. But if that's the only thing you do, are you going to be able to feel the same about three weddings or three huge events in a weekend as you do when you only have to do it for one. Are you going to have that energy? Are you going to have that stamina? Um, you know, I, I've have a friend of mine, Scuba, out, you know, in the Eastern part of PA, you know, he, he loves what he does, but he says, man, when I get into that really busy season and I've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday weddings, by the time Sunday is starting, I cannot wait for Monday to be done. I cannot wait for it to be Monday. And that sometimes takes that joy out of what we do. So, so one of the things I love about also from for my situation with the part time is it also frees me up that if I want to take off a weekend, I don't have to go. Wow, that really just cost me money that I could use to eat. Mm -hmm. Like I can, you know, if, if my fan, you know, my wife's family, one of one of our cousins is getting married this summer, and we're going to the wedding and I just like, I'm not taking any weddings and, and I didn't have to think twice about that. So those are the kinds of things that what are you willing, if you're going to go full-time, what are you willing to give up and how are you going to structure your business so that you can still afford yourself to do some of those moments, to have those opportunities to, to have a weekend off for the things that are important. That's huge. Very, Sorry, John. No, that's that, that was great. Great stuff there. Uh, great stuff. So I'm going to go a different direction. Uh, I even mentioned that, uh, you know, that DJing in essence is a 24 seven job and to a point it can be uh, definitely can be a, a time manipulating or, or um, um, monopolizing uh, situation. And that's where I, the direction I wanted to have is that if you've got a family, you have if you have children and such. The, what ends up happening is that, okay, so now I've got to take a couple of shows. Now I've got to be working Friday and Saturday, and then I'm working to get ready for those shows. And then my my weekend, Sundays, I'm probably dead. I'm just shot. So I'm not there to engage the the kids and the family when they want to do something. I wasn't there to do anything with the kids on, on, on Saturday because I was gone or Friday. Then we get into the week. Well, Monday and Tuesday are my slower days or, you know, do some office and I've got a couple of days off. Well, my wife, if my wife's working those days and they, you know, kids are in school and, and such, yes, I've got time to be doing things and working on my business, 
but there's a lot of the the meetings and, and planning and things that happen in the evenings. So when they're home, and it, it gets to be the situation where their schedules and my schedule don't jive. When I was basically a, a part-time DJ, and I was, I was in my case, when I was teaching, uh, you know, Lori had her day job, I had my day job. And then on weekends, uh, we would both go and we were doing smaller events. So there wasn't a ton of prep and a ton. We'd go do our two, two events, but we, our schedules were kind of synced and it worked really, really quite well. Now, as we get into the situation um, where I was, when I was basically DJing five nights a week, our schedules didn't jive anymore because I had no, I wasn't teaching anymore, but now I was doing the DJ thing and I was out. And then my, my day didn't start until, you know, 10 or 11 in the morning. Well, that didn't jive with hers because she was, you know, getting up and going to work or doing her things. And then she'd get home and then I was headed out. Those types of schedules can put a lot of stress on a relationship and a family. And those are things that you've got to kind of weigh out, you know, is, is it going to be one of those things that you are so passionate about that, that you'll make those things, you know, work your way through those things? Or are those things going to become this this emotional bottleneck that's going to uh, strangle your your move to full time? It can be really tough, really tough for a lot of a lot of folks in that situation. And I think those are the little things we don't think um, you know think about too much. It's like, woohoo! I'm gonna have all this free time that I can spend with the family all week long. No, no, no. Doesn't work. I think I work more now than I did where I worked for somebody. I thought I'd be more bait more daytime baseball games i always thought i was gonna go fishing all the time i work harder now you know running my company than i than i did when i worked for somebody um because if it goes off the rails i've got five families that are not making any money yeah so i've got to make sure that this this rolls constantly um and my fan for my family and like i said the vacations dan we have to plan a year out <laughs> before we can go um because you, you you can't take those hot weekends off in september october august um, or, you know, during the wedding season, you just can't take them off because you got to You got to be working. One quick story, guys, and we'll have to wrap. Um, and this happened actually this past week. I was hearing from a, a DJ friend of mine who uh, they were, could be mentioned, uh, insurance, health insurance. And their their spouse um, was the main insured person. Uh, she, they were using her uh, her insurance and uh, she ended up uh, her job ended up canceling the insurance. So then he had to eventually had to buy insurance. And it went from being covered by her uh, employer to now he had to come up with another $2,000 a month to cover their health insurance. Um, it's just the way way it is. If you're having to buy it out of your pocket, they were making too much where the, uh, the, the insurance exchange like we have in Minnesota and other states, it didn't help them at all. Well, he ended up going from being a full-time DJ to now he had to take a, a, a second job during the week to basically... Um, to come up with that. And yes, he probably could have picked up more shows and done some things like that, but he, he waited out and he's like, I'm going to just take that. Uh, I think he ended up driving bus is what he took. Uh, took a bus driving job and it was just to basically pay for their health insurance for, uh, for each month. So, um, uh, things can happen. Um, you just, have that's to, a big one. Yeah. That, that would be tough. Two thousand two thousand $2,000. I mean, that's, and it is, it, as you know, in Dan and I situation, you know, in the summer, that wouldn't be such a big deal. You know, we make enough, you know, there's enough shows coming through, but you know, January, you know, there's, there's a lot of crickets that, uh, you, you know, as you're waiting for that show to January show. To and, and if you're going to go full time, man, you need to open up your, your books, man, like midweek money, trivia, bingo, carry you know, stuff like that. Cause you're not going to survive alone on May through October, November, Not a chance, um, yeah. you've got to, you, and when you do that midweek money, the trivia, you can get those corporate events in December, January and stuff like I'm doing now. Um, that's very, uh, is a blessing. And then once you get in the cup, anyway, I'll shut up. I know we got to get out. 
No, but that that's that's a good point. If you are gonna, there are ways to do it. I think that's one of the big points is that there are ways. If you really are passionate and you, and it's something that you're talking to your significant other and if you're like you're like okay, this is I think this is something we got to do. And if everyone's on board with it, there are ways to do it. But there's just there can be a lot of the excitement of the ooh, I'm gonna be a full time DJ. <laughs> uh, that excitement can wear off really, really, really fast and can be detrimental to your health, to your family's well being, to your financial. You know, yes, we know a number of DJs who have lost their houses because you know that things just didn't happen. That was not even with a uh, a relationship part of it. It's just may uh may to october doesn't make uh, 12 months uh, worth of payments sometimes so well during covid they we lost a lot of djs that you know they didn't have any work and so they went to they went to be a painter they went to do other things other because things. yeah they couldn't work yeah that's for sure so okay thanks guys um we're gonna wrap here hanging with howie djntv.com slash chill type that in and that'll take you out to the Zoom uh, the Zoom meeting tonight. They'll be going and uh, having their recording session tonight. And then after that, they will uh, be back uh, be back uh, tomorrow night for the Tuesday Night Music Show. Again, 10 o'clock Eastern at djntv.com slash chill. I've got a video tomorrow morning. Uh, Dan's got a video coming up. We've got some more speaker videos coming out this week. We will have the Everse 12 videos dropping next week. Uh, they will not be dropping this week because we're still we've got a couple of a couple more Everse 8 videos that we wanted to uh, put together because we we did a lot of things in the office with those, comparing them left and right with a variety of different speakers and and different options. Different, you know, hey, can I put this with this? And those will be dropping later this week and then next week the others. So. Okay, I think that's it. Yes, Dan, take us home. All right. Thank you very much for taking time to join us tonight. Hopefully we answered your question. And if not, uh, you dropped it in the chat or you send it to John and we'll try and get to it next time. Have yourself a good one. We'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.